Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. What does it mean when a company's share price falls to cheap prices and executive insiders don't buy more? My question is, how much of your portfolio should you put into like ETFs and mutual funds? I had a question about Dutch Bros. It's going to be a new IPO. And provides unbiased answers. I think the bet on the raw materials that go into electric cars are going to be far better than the electric car producers. Invest Talk across America and around the world. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, May 16th, 2022 edition of Invest Talk. I'm excited to have this hour with you. I am Justin Klein, and I appreciate you all tuning in. And as usual, uh, I'm here to unpack all the data and give you some perspective in a market that is challenging. That's the simplest way to put it. It's challenging. And guess what? Most markets are challenging. It's not easy to be always positioned correctly. But it is easy. I don't say it's easy. It is possible to gain the knowledge, gain the perspective, have the data that can help you make smart money decisions to where you're not chasing returns, you're not falling prey to the pitfalls that often are hallmarks of the portfolios of newer investors, amateur investors. And not to say you can't do it well yourself. You can't. That's why we do the show, help you. Do it well yourself, but it takes tools, it takes good data, it takes discipline, it takes a very down to earth approach. One that focuses on the facts as opposed to stories, hopes and dreams. And it's about honestly getting rich slowly. A lot of people look at the stock market, and they think this is their path to getting out of financial troubles quickly. And it's really not for that. It's about investing your money wisely and extracting value from the companies that you're investing in on a consistent basis. It's not about earning five, six, seven hundred percent in a short period of time. Sure, that can happen if you're investing in very risky securities, you're using options and leverage. It can happen. But there's no free lunch. 
with the potential for reward comes a certain level of risk. And it's about managing that risk. And a lot of newer investors are just starting to feel that risk. There's a lot of money flowing into the markets over the past couple of years. People didn't have a lot to do. Dead money in their bank from the government. Easy to open Robinhood accounts and brokerage accounts. Made the process of investing, just buying securities, very easy. But just because you can easily do something doesn't mean you can do it well. It's like cooking. You can go to the store. You can go buy a bunch of ingredients. But without proper knowledge and training, are you really going to do a better job than the four or five star restaurant down the street? Probably not. You'll throw something together. Might be decent. But is it going to be that great? No, you're going to need some training. And investing is the same way. So a lot of people have been kind of uh, coerced into this investing game. Robinhood app makes it look all fun and easy. They give you free shares and uh, there's confetti that comes down when you buy a security. They kind of gamified it. But this is not a game. This is about investing correctly, consistently. And that's what we're here to help you do, is to be consistent. And we do that by talking about what we want to talk about, you know, things that we think are important for you, the audience. But ultimately, it's about you. I want to know what's on your mind. So give me a call, 888-99-CHART. 888 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. And I'm going to operate as usual, which is with my mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success, which is my assurance that no matter what we're talking about, no matter what stock we're, we're discussing, no matter what strategy we're, we're talking about, I'm here to present all without bias and give you the facts as I, as I see them. I have a lot of data systems that can give me quick, good perspective. But what's most important is giving you the tools, giving you the mindset that will help you become a better investor. So I encourage you to reach out to me with your questions during our live stream program from four to five Pacific time. And if you are listening at that time, great. If not, no big deal. I know a lot of you are listening after hours and are uh, on our podcast. And you can leave your message on our 24-hour listen line. 888 chart is our number. So you can call that number at any time. Leave a message. Now we're going to head to our first listener question now. Hello, Justin or Steve. My name is Daryl. I'm calling from California. My question is about Netflix. I see that it's gone pretty down and just wondering if it's a good time to buy. Again, that's Netflix and FLX. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. 
the the simple answer is no. Um, so this is a new environment. This there's a lot of companies that company types that were frankly overvalued during the last five, 10 years. Um, and I think streaming names were some of those. Um, a lot of this was driven by Netflix and their valuation. The problem is, is that Netflix has consistently been a negative cash flow business. They've been growing subscri their subscriber base, but they've been heavily, heavily, heavily investing in their content. And it's been very hit or miss, very hit or miss. And so they've shown no consistency to where they can spend the, a reasonable amount on their content and get sufficient engagement. What they've kind of done is throw the kitchen sink at it, see what sticks. And there are, you know, some winners, not to say Netflix hasn't produced some, some good content, but the ROI is simply not there. The consistency is simply not there. Think of HBO. And HBO definitely has its hits and misses, but the majority of what HBO produces is pretty good. Some are giant hits like Game of Thrones. Most are more moderate, but most of them are, are very engaging. Where Netflix, most of their stuff, not that great. Some of their stuff, pretty good. And so that's the issue here is that they haven't been able to consistently invest at a reasonable rate and produce sufficient great content to continue to drive subscriber growth. And then you also have the fact that their growth is slowing. Talk about, they're talking about subscribers uh, leaving over the next year, which they have, haven't had in a long time. So I don't think it's sufficiently cheap yet. I think it's got to get well below $100 per share and now it's at 186. Then it might be interesting, but no, Netflix, not a fan. This is Invest Talk. We're moving into a break, and I'm ready for your questions now at 888 chart Why do listener questions make InvestTalk better? Which of these would you recommend? Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice. I was curious if you still think aluminum has a ways to go from here. When do I know the right time to take profits? Should I be looking for an exit? Should I be holding here? And listeners instinctively realize that InvestTalk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction. I think you have a terrific show, and I've learned a whole lot. Hey, guys, love your show. Uh, I've been listening for several years now, and I've learned a lot. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley understand what investors need and want. I would look at it from a tax perspective. If there's no tax implications, move on, find better ways to use that money. I'm going with the odds. I think a half position now would at least get you in it and get you watching it so you won't lose track of it. Don't forget to call Investor. 888-99-CHART. One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. 
I truly enjoy helping investors. And I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888 99Chart. Let's go talk to Carl in Oceanside looking at RTLR, which is Rattler Midstream Limited Partnerships. You own it or looking to buy it? The day I sold the stock. Okay. I have a question about dividends. The day okay. was the 16th. Okay. It says X dividend date was May the 12th mm-hmm. and payout date is the 20th, mm-hmm. May the 20th. Do I still qualify for the dividend because I sold the day or do I have to wait till the 20 or 21 of May? Uh, that's the a good question. The ex-dividend date was on May the 12th. Yes. So the ex-dividend was May the 12th. You're correct. And as long as you held it into the close on that day, which sounds like you did because you sold it today, not the 12th, then you are entitled to that dividend. Now, you're not going to get paid it until the payday, payment day, which I think you said was the 21st. Uh, and that's when you'll get it, but you are entitled to it. It's a, it's about whether you held it into the close on that particular, uh, 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 sorry, the, the pre, the, you, you held it into that day. So actually the close on the 11th is actually what it would be. Um, so the fact that you held it through the 12th, you're, you're fine. Uh, you're going to get that dividend on the pay date, which, like you said, I think is the 21st. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Edgar in San Diego. How you doing, Edgar? All right. Edgar, are you there? Yes, I'm here. How can I help you? Yes, hi, Justin. How are you? Doing well. Um, Justin, I have a question. This is, uh, I have some, uh, I had some financial, uh, what do you call it, mutual fund, and mm-hmm. I was under the impression if the uh, interest rate goes up, financial will benefit, mm-hmm. but looks like it, it is the other way around now. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I was wondering why is that, and then after that, I have a question about uh, some value ETF. Sure. Uh, well, very simple, and this is uh, why I kind of got neutral on banks uh, a couple months ago after being bullish for a little while. Is you're correct that higher interest rates are typically good for banks, unless they slow the economy, and that creates an uptick in defaults and so higher interest rates are good as long as those higher interest rates aren't aren't creating headwinds major headwinds to economic growth and the pace that the fed has raised rates at has clearly created headwinds Uh, i remember the market's pricing that in and has started to price that in so just like anything in the investment world It's never one factor. A lot of people like to chalk up certain price movements to one thing or another. It's usually multiple factors and everything is good up into a point. And same with higher interest rates uh, in in this market. So 
Um, you know, the fact that the US, U.S. economy shrank a bit in the first quarter uh, just goes to show you that those higher interest rates have, have, have crimped some economic activity. Okay. What was your second question? Oh, we're going to take the second question after this break. Now, we have good news for InvestStock listeners that enjoy hearing unbiased answers to caller questions at a faster pace. It's our April Rapid Fire Hour. I answer 30 questions at a fast pace, which you can find over at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, as well as InvestTalk.com. Now, we're heading to a break, so give me a call at 888-99-CHART. InvestTalk is here to help. And when you download the free InvestTalk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. The phone lines are open. 888-99-CHART. Let's go back to Edgar in San Diego. He had a question about value funds. Uh, yes. Uh, since I uh, unload my financial and I'm looking at value mm -hmm. ETF or funds and... Mm -hmm. I am not sure which way should I go, a mid-cap, mega-cap value or mid-cap value. What is your take? Well, longer term, mid-cap value is going to do much better. It's just simply based on math. Uh, there's more upside for uh, more mid-cap companies that are quote-unquote undervalued. Whereas mega caps, I mean, they're mega caps. So how how cheap can they really be when they're mega cap, right? Just simply based on the total value. Not to say you can't find bargains in that space. Um, it's just much better risk versus reward in uh, the mid caps. Then long term, mid caps are simply going to outperform uh, large caps. So uh, now it depends on on your time horizon, though. In the you know short to medium term those mega caps might do a little bit better uh, just simply because they're more blue chip and in a, in a, in a rougher market, uh, they tend to have less downside. Um, so it really depends on your time horizon there. But anything beyond a couple of years, I'm, I would expect mid caps to do much, much better. Thank you so much. No problem. Now, my focus point today is based on this question. Should dividend investors buy no moat REITs? So we're going to look at the REIT space and give you a quick lesson on economic moats. Something you should think about when you're buying companies is to see how are how how have they created a competitive advantage or have they not at all? And hint hint, if they haven't, then long term they're going to struggle to earn high returns on invested capital, which feeds into earnings, which feeds into the stock price and ultimately your returns. So we're going to look at that. Also, we're going to do a little overview of the tech bubbles that have burst and how money is flowing differently to different parts of the tech space. Also an overview of what is happening in the options market and how trends there have changed. And then lastly, independent advisors and how to tell whether yours is independent or not. Now let's take a look at the market today. We had the S&P off about 16 points, kind of a, a flat day overall. If you look at the NYSE, that was up two, up two points. So really, yeah, NYSE, once again, broad index, 2,500, 3,000 stocks, something like that. Uh, and that was 
barely, barely up on the day. So kind of a pause day as we continue to uh, digest the, the shift in, in monetary policy uh, and you still have earnings uh, coming in from uh, the prior quarter and just uh, the market trying to digest what happened in the crypto market. Does that spread to other quote unquote stable coins? And does that create more contagion? And that was a big factor over the past week or two is what happened in um, Terra and Luna and the breaking of the peg there with, uh, with, with, with the stablecoin Terra, USD. And remember, in the crypto space, there's a lot of leverage. They talk about the crypto space being very big. And it is by market cap. But the amount of money invested is a lot lower than that because of the amount of leverage within the system. And so when certain things break, it creates a snowball effect. And many of the people that are invested in the crypto space, all guess what? They also like tech companies. And so there was a lot of dash for cash in a lot of those names to where uh, people needed to redeem in order to cover their leverage in the crypto space. So um, that was kind of some contagion that you saw last week. Now let's feed in another caller voice bank question from 888-99-CHART. Hey gentlemen, it's Nick from Los Angeles calling in today with a question about digital turbines, ticker apps. It's a uh, mobile marketing advertising tech company that is down about 75% from its high last summer. Yet, the past you know, fiscal year, it has grown its earnings and revenues in the triple digits every quarter. I think that this company is undervalued. However, it obviously has a high trailing 12-month PE ratio, and thus the market is not too happy with that. But I think in the future, it's got legs to run. What do you guys think? Have a good one. I actually looked at this company over the weekend, and I was initially saying, okay, this does look kind of undervalued. And the more I looked at it, it wasn't. <laughs> um, now, not to say that it's not getting a lot closer to fair value. It's at 25 and, and change at the close today, down 6% today. But if you look at it not based on earnings per share, and, and it's supposed to make $1.67 this year, $2.16 next year, and if it's based on forward-looking earnings, you're saying this is trading at about 12 times earnings? It's pretty cheap. But if you go based on some other metrics like operating cash flow, free cash flow, free cash flow trading 12 months is about $39 million. It's about a $2.5 billion market cap still. Not exactly cheap, okay? Uh, you're talking about 2% free cash flow yield, and yes, it is growing pretty nicely, but you know that's still not cheap, okay? So around 15, I came up with 15 as my price to pick it up, but not quite yet. Writing to a break, so give me a call at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. 
no one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs. eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI Red Teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. The markets react to uncertainty. Are you prepared? Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. Justin Klein is here now and ready to talk with you. Call Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. And my focus point today is based on the question, should dividend investors buy no moat REITs? And this is a great rundown of how to think about competitive advantages that companies you are investing in typically have. And out of the entire REIT, remember REITs are real estate investment trusts. So this is, these are basically pass-through entities. They're not necessarily companies. They are pass-through entities that own a collection of real estate or real estate tied assets. And this is a great uh, article from Morningstar. And Morningstar, they rate companies uh, based on their moat. Some have no moat, some have a narrow moat, some have a very wide moat. And you want wide or, or at least narrow, typically. No moats means there's not a lot of competitive advantages there. And in the REIT space, it's very hard to create a competitive advantage. Why is that? Well, it's because they don't typically have the amount of scale within a particular market in order to create pricing power. 
In fact, the most concentrated hotel REITs only own 10% of the hotel rooms in a particular market. So not enough to say, well, we can raise prices and they have nowhere else to go because 10%, there's still 90% that they don't own. And of the overall amount of real estate assets in the world or in the country, REITs own a very small percentage of those assets. So scale and domination within a particular niche market is oftentimes a source of a moat. But in the REIT space, there really isn't any. Now, another one is barriers to entry, making it very hard for other companies to come in and compete with their business. Well, in the REIT space, what's the barrier for another developer, another investor, another company to go in and buy a similar type of property in the same area? Very low. You can go around the road, find a plot of land, build something just like your competitor down the street. And this means that there's limited ability for REITs to push up their rents too high. Either tenants can just move out or they can build it themselves, especially large corporations who maybe rent assets from REITs. So to a certain extent, they, they can't raise rates too much and then they don't want to raise them so much that it hampers the business. And then suddenly your renters are having financial trouble. Now, the retail REIT space, for example, can only go up, rents can only go up as what revenue is going up. In the brick and mortar space, that's difficult. Okay. Now, the main source of a moat within the REIT space is actually management. The operators. Now, some are very adept, very skilled and experienced and are easily able to come in by assets that aren't well run, find cost efficiencies, implement best practices and raise operating margins. But this is all in the management team itself. And guess what? Management teams can move very easily and get poached by a competitive REIT, a comp you know, a, a REIT that's competing with them. Now, the, another way that they can gain above average returns is to have relationships and partner with developers to find off market deals or to uh, partner with home builders, for example, and buy homes before they hit the market. But once again, you can buy those assets pretty cheap and that's great. But can you do that over and over again? And that's really what a competitive advantage is about is about not just doing something one time effectively, but doing it over and over again to where you're producing consistent business, consistent cash flow, consistent earnings, and that flows to shareholders. And once again, REITs can do that, but it's typically sourced through management. And that's why it's even more important to understand that when you're investing in REITs. And, uh, and it goes back to when you're investing in dividends, when you're looking for dividends, you need to focus on the company, the business, 
that is producing those dividends, not just the entity, the stock that's paying the dividend, because that has that is sourced from the actual business. And unless you understand the business, you understand whether that ha company has an economic moat or not, you will not have a good understanding of whether that dividend is sustainable and able to grow over time. Because ultimately, that's what you want, not just the stability of the dividend, but the ability to grow that dividend over time. Now, let's swing back to the Investock Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier. By the way, if you've never called, why not try it now? The phone lines never close at 888-99-CHART. Hi, guys. This is Eric calling from Los Angeles, longtime listener and love the show. My question today is about Joanne Inc., the ticker symbol J-O-A-N as in Nancy. I was thinking that it's as of today, it's dropped a little bit below $9 a share and it pays a 4% dividend and thinking that during a recession, possibly this store might do better because people may start making their own clothes or start making their own things. And maybe this would be a safe one, though it's a more uh, brick and mortar type of retail store. So I was wondering what you thought and what you think of the numbers that they have. Um, I'm looking to buy and I'm looking to see what entry point you think might be good. Thank you very much. All right. This is Joe and Inc. You know, the biggest issue here is the amount of debt that the company has uh, and the fact that they haven't produced positive free cash flow over the last 12 months. Turn back negative. Now, 2021, they did very well. Free cash flow of 291 million. A lot of people were staying at home. Arts and crafts were very popular and their business really boom, boomed. And they started to pay a dividend, which I think was not the smart way to go. They never paid a dividend before. And yeah, now they're paying 30 cents a share. Decent. But the, uh, they have a lot of debt. <laughs> About 700 million on a market cap of 355 million. I don't like that allocation of capital. It looks like they recently started that dividend. They've been much better taking that money and paying down their debt. Even buying back shares. Probably more effective use of capital. And so that's what worries me here the most is the management team that I think made a pretty bad move. You had a business that was doing record profit. And that profit has decelerated significantly from 388 in 2021, expected only to be $1.44 this year. And so while it makes it cheap based on that number, I worry that the business does not, it's not, it's not, it's not allocating capital properly. And I just don't like that debt load. Um, now it is near support. I will say that if it breaks the support, the market's telling you something that that the the debt that it's on its balance sheet is outweighing uh, any positive business that it's maintained from the pandemic. So it's kind of a good risk reward if it breaks that you're just out 
So as a trade, I don't, I don't hate it in that sense. I like those things where you get a defined stop. You just have to stick to that stop and a close below the recent low. Uh, that would be my out. So that's my take on Joanne, which businesses evolved lately. Now let's pivot back to an iTunes review. And Christian says, I'm 25, a young investor. I'm wondering what you're thinking about in mode, I N M D. They are a very profitable, high margin business that has fallen 75% off of its high. Okay, Israeli seller of radio frequency devices using minimally invasive and non invasive cosmetic surgery. Oh, how do I know this company? How do I know this company? My girlfriend's a dermatologist, so you know, I hear about these devices. Body Tight Optima. Yeah, I've, I've actually talked about this, and she says their products are not very good. Yeah. Yeah, body contouring, medical aesthetics. This is right at my girlfriend's alley. She's a, she's a, she's a, she's an MD. She's a dermatologist, and she, uh, I, I kind of listed their, um, their list of products, and she gave the thumbs down. So. It's down 75%, but its business is slowing uh, dramatically. And yeah, I'm just going to go based on the doctor here. I'm going to pass. 8899 chart, 8899242278. I know it's hard to believe, but the year is more than a third of the way over. And May is over halfway done. And the big question is, how are you handling this market environment? Are you on the path to success? To financial freedom? Do you think your portfolio is aligned with your goals with the current market backdrop and economic backdrop? Or are you unsure? Do you need help? Well, that's what myself and Steve Peasley do at our company KPP Financial located in Irvine, California, where we practice parallel investing, invest right alongside our clients, and we give unbiased guidance both on and off air. So I encourage you to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting. Just send us a message through investtalk.com or give our office a call, 800-557-5461. We'd love to help you in any way. Just a quick few minutes to help guide you in the right direction. We'd love to help, so give us a call. Let's pivot quickly to what's happened in the tech space. And what you've heard recently is the sound of bubbles popping all over the place. Mainly high growth names, tech shares, IPOs, SPACs, startup valuations, and most interesting of all, cryptocurrencies. The NASDAQ 100 the largest tech firms, that's down about a third from its peak in November. Should be no coincidence that that was also the time where the Fed was starting to hint at quantitative tightening. Firms in the, in the NASDAQ 100 lost $2.8 trillion in market value over that time. Companies like Robinhood down 80%, Peloton down 90%. And from January of last year to April, 150 companies went public 
here in the US. Most of them in the tech space. This year, only 30 have gone public. Now, SPACs, more than a thousand such firms went public since 2018. A thousand. More than a thousand. Only a third have actually found a target. And an index that tracks 25 of the largest companies that have de-SPAC'd, meaning they're no longer SPACs, they're uh, change your ticker symbol and, and now list under the acquired company, they've lost 56% of their value since the beginning of the year. It just shows you how poor of structure that a lot of these SPACs were created. Tech startups raised six, and it is spread to the, the startup space. Tech startups raised $628 billion in 2021 in 34,000 deals. But between January and March of this year, that number of transactions fell 5% and total capital invested dropped 19%. Then you turn to crypto. Bitcoin's down more than half from its peak in November. Notice November, does this all ring a bell? The next four biggest cryptocurrencies lost more than 70% from their peak. Sales of NFTs have dropped more than half in recent weeks. And once again, about rising interest rates. Reduces the present value of future cash flows. Most of those lie very far in the future if you're talking about growth of your names. And if inflation remains sticky, which look what's happening in wheat, look what's happening in oil. Oil's staying around the $100 barrel level with China shutting down, with the, the strategic oil reserve uh, releasing oil consistently. Has done nothing to oil prices. You're seeing more protectionist policies around commodities and commodity producing com countries, which means that while inflation is going to come down, it's not going to come down to levels that you saw pre-pandemic, 1%, 2%. And when the tide goes out, as Warren Buffett says, you see you swimming naked. And we've seen a lot of companies swimming naked. And guess what? There's a lot more. And typically markets overshoot and they also undershoot as well. So, well, the, the, what's happening now is a shift towards higher quality names. And those persistently unprofitable kind of gig economy type of companies, they're going to continue to struggle. Okay. And get used to it. We're heading to a final break. So give me a call at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Chart. Hey, Steve, Justin, uh, Stephen, out of South Carolina. I called to ask about bond maturity. How do I know when a bond is at maturity? Is that based on when I purchase? Is there a date that is specified that I need to look into? I'd love to get some insight on that. Also, speaking of bonds, what do y'all think of bonds such as 
ticker symbol ANGL. It's an angel high, uh, fallen angels bond, as well as HYT, ticker symbol HYT, BlackRock Corporate Fund. Currently invested in both. Want to know the pros and cons. Monthly dividend seems strong. Growth is obviously going the opposite direction. I'd love to get some insight on all of that. I just asked about. You guys rock. Keep it going. We all learn a lot from y'all, so keep your knowledge flowing, please. Thank you. Have a great day, y'all. Appreciate it. Well, uh, simple. When you buy a bond, it has a maturity date. There could be also call option dates where the company can call the bond back from you and stop paying, you know, give your principal back. Uh, so that's something to consider as well. Uh, but that's when you're, when you're buying individual bonds. And what you're talking about and you asked about are bond funds. And they buy a litany of bonds with various maturities. And ultimately, you need to understand the maturity length on average that these uh, funds funds have, as well as the quality of bonds that are being held within the portfolio. And what you're looking at are very high yield, you know, high yield bonds, which means very low credit quality. Now, ANGL has an average credit quality of double B minus. Now, that's actually a little bit better than the category average of B plus. So that's a positive. And its effective duration, though, is a little bit longer than the category average, about uh, six years, where the category average is about three and a half, four. And so you're taking a little more duration risk, a little less credit risk, uh, which also means why it's uh, it's down so much uh, and on a downtrend. Uh, and in a slowing economy, you probably don't want to be owning these type of, of bonds. So I wouldn't be chasing the yield on... A-N-G- A-N-G-L or H-Y-T. Now, H-Y-T is the BlackRock corporate high yield. And this is leveraged, leveraged. I know you're going to look at the 9% dividend yield. Uh, but this is a name that's gone from 12 and a half or so to nine and a half in the span of four months in a rising interest rate environment and a slowing economy. Not something that you want to be invested in. Because once again, high yield. If you want to invest in bonds in some way, you want to be in probably high-grade corporates, short to medium term. And so, don't get, don't fall in, fall in love with the yield. And you talked about the consistency of the yield. Yes, that's certainly true. But. Just look at BlackRock high yield, which you which you asked about, and it's down twenty five, thirty percent in just a few months, which wipes out two plus years of dividends that you might have received. So not the place that you really want to be now. Is it safer than money losing tech stocks? Sure. Uh, but if you're looking for consistency of yield and stability of your capital, you want to be in something higher quality and shorter maturity. So I hope that helps. And you're going to sacrifice a little yield. But ultimately, you want that stability. Now, lastly, let's touch on types of firms, independent firms that are out there. 
Um, and what you're seeing that right now is a litany of financial advisors, they call them financial advisors, that are connected to insurance companies. And some of the big ones are Massachusetts uh, Mutual Life. Uh, there's also, uh, what's the second? What's the first biggest? That's the second biggest one. The first biggest one is Lincoln Financial. Um, and so if you're investing in companies or you have your advisors linked to these, they're going to have pressure uh, to sell you annuity products, uh, life and whole life insurance products, etc. And so it kind of changes the way that you're advised in a big, big way. And there's a lot of conflicts of interest there. So make sure if you're working with an advisor, make sure they're independent. You have a broker like uh, Schwab, Fidelity, TD Ameritrade, E-Trade, things like that. Not a mutual fund company, or sorry, an insurance company. And if it is uh, an insurance company or, yeah, frankly, a mutual fund company, you probably want to be with something that's more independent. Just kind of a heads up there. So I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which they can find anywhere on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. And be sure to check out our website, investtalk.com. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights.